0: Between both of us, we're smart enough to figure that out. So good to see everybody this morning. How are y'all doing up here? It looks like you're doing great. You know, the, the church gurus that study church statistics, things, you know, about what's happening before, how many people were attending before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and, and even now, wherever we are in the pandemic. We're somewhere on that on that line. The church gurus have determined, and this is just fresh information that's come out in the last couple of weeks, that most churches only ten to forty percent of the people that were there before have come back. I I got a bone to pick. I, I've already got a bad attitude up here because mine's closer to that than what you guys are doing here. This is awesome. This you, uh, I see you. You're here all the time, so you don't get to understand that. I'm telling you, you guys are have blown this thing out of the water. You're you're way exceeding what the general church world is experiencing. And I give you an attaboy. boy. Give, give give this church a good hand clap. That's pretty powerful, man. You're in the top echelon. In America, and uh, thank God, thank God, thank God, Amen. So, thanks for standing in here with uh, my my Michigan church and the Michigan church family, and uh, thanks for being faithful, Amen. I know that isn't this a weird time? It's a weird, strange, odd time, but it's not just in the church where it's different. It's different everywhere, right. out stores and restaurants and all the things, but thank God we're going to make it through for the glory of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe I've got a word for you. We're going to get right in this today. And I I believe it'll be a a good word. It'll it'll be manna for your soul. Don't you love manna? That God was able to put out manna every day for 40 years. Every morning when the Israelites got up, God had already been there and fix breakfast for everybody. Right, right. And there was enough for, for everybody. And you didn't have to store it up. Because tomorrow it's going to be there like it was yesterday. Yeah. And then the day after that it's still going to be there. I like That's how this church is. When you come here aren't you grateful that you know for sure. That there's going to be manna coming out of this pulpit. Amen. We're going to be fed today. In other words, so I know, I know that's true with Pastor Jolliffe, I, I believe it's true with, with uh, me today. So if you have your Bibles, I'm in the book of Romans chapter 1, oh just for a moment, and, but we'll give a, an opening scripture verse here, Romans chapter 1, and let's, we're just going to read a, uh, one verse here verse 16 you know this verse if you, if you don't have this underlined or circled or marked or something right. even with your iPad you, you need to Romans 1 he said for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is what's the it there the it there is the gospel it the gospel is the power God unto salvation to everyone that believes it, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now I I just want to exalt the gospel this morning. Good. Gospel, you know the, the word in the Greek, it means to bring good news. I want to thank God that every time we come together in the house of the Lord. That, that, that the book we're working out of is a book that's filled with the gospel. It's, it's, it's filled with good news. This is good, there's good news in here if you're sick this morning. Because the healer's in the book. The healer's in the gospel. There's, this is good news if you're a drug addict today. Because the, 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 the deliverer is in the gospel. It is this gospel that we read out of. And there's the the gospel's not just in the New Testament. The gospel is sprinkled all even through the Old Testament before we got to what, what brought the gospel. The gospel was sprinkled all through the Old Testament, man. There's good news in all the Old Testament stories. God has never lost one battle. He's won every single one. And I got a word for you this morning. He's going to win this one as well. We're going to get through this. He's going to bring us through. He's going to win this battle. How do you know that? Because I believe the gospel. I believe in the midst of a pandemic. What we need is we need good news. We need the gospel to be preached like it's never been preached before. We need to recognize that the gospel is the power of God that can take a man all the way into salvation. And you're looking at a preacher this morning, like your pastor, that I believe in the power of the gospel to do anything. Somebody say amen. Look at the person next to you and say, I think the Lord can even help you this morning. Huh? Now, in Ezekiel, we're going to go over to Ezekiel real quick. Chapter 22. We're just going to, once again, look at one verse here. We're going to set the, set the table and then we're going to preach. You know this verse too. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. The Lord's saying this. He said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, wait a minute, so that I should not destroy it, but I found how many? Nine. I found none. So the Lord saying, I looked among the people that had the problem, and I looked for someone among those men. Surely, out of all these, these people that, that God's looking through, I could find one person that had the goods on. to stand in the gap and make up the hedge that, so that God would, so that destruction would stop. But the Bible says clearly that he found none. This is part of the gospel. He he couldn't find anybody. You know, as soon as I think start thinking I'm a real no I'm I'm a real big shot, then I then I read a verse like this and re- it puts me right in my place. God looked among people and among humanity, he found not even one man that could do what needed to be done. But thank God we've got the gospel. And the gospel is even when God could not find a man among the broken people to stand in the gap, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a man to stand in the gap among the broken people. Amen? And we'll get to that in a minute. So there's Ezekiel 22, 30. Now one more, Isaiah 59. We're just going to, once again, look at uh, one verse here. Isaiah 59... Verse 1, Behold, or look, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Listen, even when God's looking around and trying to find a man among the people to stand in the gap, I want you to know today, that that's this is part of the gospel. We got to realize that's a reality. But the, but but here we go. Isaiah fifty nine one declares, the the hand of the Lord is not shortened. Though so even though even though we can't find anybody, God's arm and hand are long enough Amen. to reach and somehow get us somebody that can help us. Uh, years ago, I may have told this story during all the times I've been here. But uh, years ago, Sarah and I, when we were at, we went to Rama Bible Training Center. Any Rama grads here? Hey, look at you. I, I'm telling you, man. I knew I knew I would sit right in front of a good old Rama grad. We just find each other. Thank God for Rama Bible Training Center. Yeah. Well, I went there a long, long time ago, man. In 1979, I, Sarah and I headed out to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and we went to Rama. We, I mean, we didn't have enough money to pay attention. We were very, very <laughs> broke, very poor, looking under the, the seat of the car for quarters to buy some milk for baby and all that stuff. But, that's, but we were having the time of our life. We didn't care about all that. You know why? Because the gospel was being preached to us. Yeah. And I don't care how bad it was with my gasoline, with my car. I had a, How many have ever had a, a supernatural car, but not supernatural good, supernatural bad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> have you had that car? Who's had one? Huh? What kind was it, Joe? Huh? Six and four fair lanes. Three speed on the column. Right. My, 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 my. <laughs> I drove it you drove it forever. What year was that thing? What, when? It was, it was a 64 and I got it. It was already used. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah it, it, so it was already used up and then you got it. Yeah. 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 Used, I, used up. Used up. Car the car salesman sold it to me. <laughs> <laughs> The car salesman got you, didn't he, man? I know it. My first car that I ever had, worst car I ever had, I bought it for $100. It was a, I don't, it was a 60-something Rambler. Remember Ramblers? Those of you that are a little older know Ramblers. They were supernatural cars, but they were supernaturally bad, man. Every time I'd get gas, I had to put a quart of oil in at the same time. And so it, it was just a... A bad, bad situation, amen? And so that's how, that's the state Sarah and I were in during that period. And uh, so one, you know, we lived in a, um, a, a cheap apartment complex. And uh, you know how they build apartment complexes anymore. They're, they put them, they're using every square inch. They're stacking them in this way, a whole building, couple floors of buildings all n- very near each other. So, you know, not from here to the, to the sound booth was how far away the next building was from us. Well, we, went, we were on the first floor. We went to bed one cold uh, Tulsa night, and the wind's always blowing out there, and it was a cold wind, and it began to... There was an... You know, it was icy and snowing some... It was a miserable night, and so we went to bed. and And partway through the night, I heard, I awakened, hearing a noise outside my window. And I I, I laid there for a minute and thought, what that sounded like an a wounded animal or something. And the more I listened. I got more concerned that it's not a wounded animal, not that I didn't have, don't animal lovers get on me, not that I didn't have compassion on that wounded animal, if that's what it was, I did, but I wasn't going to get up and do anything about it, I didn't, probably, and, but I recognized it's not an animal, it's, it's, it's a person, and they were, they were not far from my window, and they were groaning, and, and sobbing, and, uh, but our the, the apartments we lived in were so cheap, you know, it, it just didn't get frosty on the outside. It was frosty on the inside. So I couldn't see out. I was standing there scraping the frost off the window trying to see if I could look out and find what was going on. I, I couldn't, still couldn't see. The noise went on, so I, I quickly dressed and and ran out the front door, which was on the other side of the building, and I ran around the building, and as I was coming around the corner, running around the building to get to the other side, where my window was, I, I, I suddenly ran, somebody ran, it, whew, I slammed into somebody, and knocked me silly, knocked me down, knocked him down, but he jumped up, And he was in tears and crying saying, and he grabbed my shoulders and said my my wife and my son are right in there and he pointed over to the next building that was near ours my wife and my son are in that building and I looked and the room where he was pointing to was in flames it was completely engrossed in flames and fire and he said, please help me. And he had gotten up and ran out, I guess. He was a he was a wreck, man. Of course he was. And so I I didn't know what to do. I, I I didn't I didn't know Joe then, so I couldn't call Joe the fireman and come ask him to help me put the fire out. I mean this this had to happen and it had to happen fast. And and so I I, I ran to over to that window and he said, they're right there. And I know how those apartments were all laid out the same. So they were very small. So if I could get to the window, I knew that that per- the bed had to be about right there because I know the size of the room. So the girl was not far in there, and her son was with her. And so... I didn't know what to do. He kept pulling on my, you know, he was crying. He was pulling on my leg. Please help me do something. Don't let him die. That's that's a bad situation, and you're the guy. You're the answer to this guy's problem, but you don't know what to do, and maybe you don't have the power to do it. And so I eventually, finally... I knew that as the smoke and the the whole, now the whole building's beginning to burn. And so I knew if I didn't, I mean, it was, we didn't have minutes or seconds I needed to do something. And so finally I I thought, well, maybe maybe I could get in there. And I took my fist and put it through that window, and when I did, all that toxic smoke came At me and went into my lungs and threw me backwards and I'm sure Joe's got uh, understands that and then more Uh, it was it was horrible man and what and then I once I got back up again I crawled back on my knees under the window and thought well maybe I can maybe I can get right there and all of a sudden I heard a faint voice from inside that building. That just said it was the mother, and she said, "Help me." And I wanted to help her, but I didn't have the power to help her because I couldn't get in the flames, the smoke, the the fire. And so eventually, after trying and trying and trying, I, I there was just no way without any gear or anything that I could go in there and 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 rescue this guy's. Wife and daughter and son. we and we'd been to the little pool, you know, when you're, you know, the people go to the, the apartment pool together and we had seen them. This boy was a sweet little blonde boy, probably two years old. And uh, so the, eventually the fire department came, but it was a long time and I kn- I'll never forget the feeling. This is gonna turn out okay. This the gospel's gonna help us here. So this isn't a depressing sermon. I'm not gonna let you go. Now. But but it was a sad story. It's a sad story that impacted my life. And I'll never forget as I stood there with that, that young dad, he had his jeans on, no shirt, it was freezing cold. And I held him as he wept and cried. And then the, the firemen, I'll never forget that scene when they picked up a lifeless body of this young man's wife and handed her out the window. She was already dead and gone. They laid her on the ground. And then, how sad was this, then the sun is passed out the window and this sweet, cute little boy is lifeless and he's gone. And i thought about that I think about that all the time. That impacted me. You know, when you go through something like that, it impacted my life. Because I was, I, I, because you know what was the matter with me? Back to Isaiah 51, 59. What was the matter with me was my arm was too short, my hand was too short. I could, I could kind of get, get it up there, but I couldn't reach to save that girl. But here's the gospel. I want you to know today that even though I'm like the man that God sought for in Ezekiel 22, somebody helped these people, and I'm. But I was like the man in Ezekiel 22, where I I couldn't do anything about it because my arm was too short. But we know today that the gospel of the kingdom is that God's hand and arm are not too short that it cannot save God's long arm is long enough to reach through any devastating situation you're in. And I don't care how far in there you are, God's hand is not short. It can reach anybody. And that's the point of the gospel. Yeah. That the gospel is, a you know, part of the gospel is recognizing the situation we're in when the when the per guy comes to save us and help us, what he's got to deal with, and I want to thank God that years ago in 1973, when those two young men from Campus Crusade for Christ came to my dorm room, yeah. and they came, they were going door to door in that in that dormitory, and I'd never heard the gospel. I was raised in a religious dead church that I never heard the gospel, and we were there was. Uh, you know, there was a bunch of us in my room, we were, and we weren't studying. <laughs> we were smoking weed. Right. That's what I thought university was for. You go and you learn how to smoke weed. Well, that's what I did. And we, we were, you know, and, and when the knock on the door came, you know, you get nervous when you're in that yeah. situation, especially back in the 70s. Uh-huh. And, and so, but I slowly went to the door and opened the door and there was these two guys standing there with these big smiles on their face. They, I'm telling you, the joy in them impacted come me on. as soon as I saw them. Yeah. That's why, you know, people aren't looking for a bunch of sour Christians yeah, that are mad, on. hurt. I'm I'm tired. I don't know. I don't know if it works. No, they're looking for hope, man. They were, and these two guys to me, they were hope dealers. I I dealt earlier in the day with dope dealers. But now these now all of a sudden the gospel shows up. When I'm in the midst of my crises, of my lostness, and the gospel's there, and there's two hope dealers there that 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 for the first time they took me outside everybody else laughed when they heard what they were dealing and but i there was something in me that no i needed some good news yes sir and so i went outside that dormitory ro- room and sat on the floor in the hallway there my my dorm was uh, room 535 north campus ohio state university dracket tower uh yeah I don't my, my son-in-law went there. That he's a real Ohio State guy. And and so the when they lived in Columbus, he and Aaron, I, I went to see them, and I said, I want to go to Drackett Tower. And I wanna see I want to see where my room is. Yeah. And so, you know, they, they there's a lot more lockdown than there used to be, you know, used to be just kind of wide open. But we I thought, well, there's always a way to sneak in places, man. So this is important. You got to break, break a rule or something. And so we snuck in, went up to that, went up to that, uh, up the elevator to the fifth floor and got off, went down. And man, a lot of feelings came back to oh, me. Yeah. But what they, what they drew for me was a picture of, of the, my condition. And it's, it's all of man's conditions. Everybody's like this. they They drew God on one side. They wrote the word God. On the other side of the paper, they drew Jim, right? And then they, for for me over there, they drew a little stick man. And they said, this is you, and this is God. But there's there's a great gap between you and God. And the gap, and then they wrote the words in the middle of where my name was and God's name was, in the middle they wrote these words, a three-letter word. They wrote the word sin. Yes. And they said, Jim, your sin has separated you from God. And for some reason, that made sense to me. Right. I thought, I, I get that. I, I, I got that. But here's the gospel. See, so you, you can't just go out here and tell people how bad they are. We got to tell them that about the gospel. They need to realize how bad they are. you got to realize you're lost before you can get found. And so, you know, so, but in the middle, then they, then they took their pen and they drew this right down over the words where sin was. They drew a cross. And, and the cross beam, one side of the beam touched the word God, and the other t- side of the cross beam on the other side of the paper Touched touch Jim. Yeah. And they said, Jim, God, you are lost. But God has provided an answer. Yes. An answer in the gospel. And God can reach you and save you. And if you'll trust in Christ, God can get to you and you can get to God. That's the gospel, man. Yeah. And here's the good news. You know, as soon as they started telling me this, I thought... Yeah, but you don't know everything I've done. I've done some bad stuff. I have not been a good guy. I've been a bad guy. But they, without using the verse, what they preached to me was Isaiah 59.1, that the hand of the Lord is not too short. It can reach you in your in your, 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 your losslessness and your confusion and in your fear and in your hopelessness. The gospel is big enough. I'm telling you, this community out here, if there was ever an opportunity to win souls, man, you better get your harvesting machine out and you better get in the spiritual fields. Look up because Jesus said 2,000 years ago the fields are white already under harvest. Yes, sir. When I read that years ago, I said, "Well, if they were ripe in 2000 years ago, if somebody doesn't do something pretty quick, they're going to rot in the fields." Right. And so we got to get out in the field and tell people the gospel and give them hope and give them an answer. I'm telling you that God's arm is not too short that it cannot save. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, and just real quick here, we'll run through this. Um in the book of Ezekiel again this time we're in chapter 16 Ezekiel 16 and we'll see we'll see the gospel come to life here Ezekiel 16 hallelujah now listen i want now the gospel as I said, was sprinkled all throughout the Old Testament. So it's not going to sound like New Testament verbiage about the gospel. It's going to sound like the Apostle Paul's writing because they didn't have the fullness of the revelation, but God was still sprinkling the gospel all throughout the Old Testament. And he said in, okay, so let's let's, let's see if we can find the gospel in here. Verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say unto her, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and your nativity is of the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother was a Hittite. All right, so He's he's telling us our condition. And our condition, here's the gospel now. Our condition was that we weren't of the right stock or seed. Your father was an Amorite. Your mother was a Hittite. You don't have anything to do with Israel. So you're you're born on the wrong side of the tracks. You're born outside everything. Amen? Amen. How many are glad that the gospel breaks down every barrier? There is no wrong side of the track. Go when on. Jesus gets there, he makes everything on that side of the tracks, he makes that the right side of the tracks. Yeah. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. The gospel will work for you. In other words, you had a bad start. We listen, we've had a bad start to 2020. Haven't we? Can you imagine what happened? Amen. Hey, I preached a message a couple weeks ago called It's Not Over Yet. It's only halftime. Come on. And halftime, I'm a real sports statistic guy, and I know all I read all the statistics, yards, sacks, fumbles, all that stuff about ball games. And but there and and in, in the when there was a news when you read newspapers. There there was at the bottom of the statistics, part of the statistics was they would write the halftime score, right. and they so this was the score at halftime, and I learned this that the most meaningless statistic in all of sports, you know what it is. It's the halftime score. Because it doesn't matter what's happening at halftime. What matters, praise God, is what happens after halftime. So we can't get our minds on what happened in the first half. I looked up and wrote it down. The, the greatest comeback in the NFL and, and playoffs and all that kind of stuff was, was in the 90s. And it was the when they're Houston before they were the Texans, they were the Oilers, right. who, who are now the Titans, right? right. right. And so, but the the uh, the Oilers were really putting it to the Buffalo Bills, and it was like thirty to three at halftime. Now that's t- it's tough to score thirty points in an NFL game, much less. Now you only got a little bit of time to do it. But just like the gospel, the arm of the Lord is not short that it cannot save. And they, the, you know, I don't know what the halftime talk was like. But I'll tell you, there was, there was it had to be some, somebody was dealing hope in that halftime room. Somebody had to get these people that had just had their backside handed to them in the first half. Somebody preached some hope to them that I don't care what the score is. We've got the same amount of time in the second half as they had in the first half to score their 30. We can score at least that and then some and we can catch them. And they, it's a long story, but right after halftime, the, the, the team that was leading the oilers they scored again so it even got worse but man they had been dealt the hope of the gospel and they had been preached to that we can do this and the gospel is a hopeful gospel it's not a gospel that ends up like my sad story of the, where I where I couldn't do it but I'm telling you when God's involved in it he, he, he became the man that stood in the gap to make up the hedge. He became that man and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die at the cross of Calvary so that we could make our mankind, even though we were lost, separated, hopeless from God. You know the Bible even tells us in Romans, it tells us that we were under the wrath of God. Yet in the midst of all that, God, his arm was not short, that it could not save. And and it's a long story, but the the Buffalo Bills made a comeback. It's it's the greatest comeback in NFL playoff history. And they came back and they won that game. It was like 38 to 35 or something like that. And they they won that game. What are we going to do after halftime? What are we going to, you know, I looked it up for my church. I, I looked up, I calculated how many days or when's the last day of the first half of 2020. It was July, it was Wednesday, July 1. That was the last day of the year. The good news about finding that out, I found it out a few weeks before July 1, was, hey, you know what, the first half's almost over. No, that's good news. And then the first day of the second half was Thursday, July 2nd. Amen? And I I preached that Thursday night. I preached to them, it's only halftime. That score doesn't mean anything. I don't care how far behind we are, how tough this is. How many are coming or how many are going? It's irrelevant. Because it's only halftime for the glory of God. Somebody say amen. amen. So, so listen to what he said in, in, in these verses here, quickly. He said in, in, in verse 3, your, your birth and your nativities of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, your mother was a Hittite. That means you didn't start right. But thank, and, and none of us started right. Right? Yeah. As for your nativity, in the day you were born, your navel was not cut. Now what, what he's talking about there is the umbilical cord. Just having had my newest grandson, you know, the, when, when he came out there was, he was connected to his mother. But as soon as you get out, somebody cuts you. From your cord, all right? But this guy, so not only did he start wrong, he was of the wrong seed. Also, his his navel was not cut, his umbilical cord was not cut. Neither was he washed in water to supple you. You You were not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. So, in other words, this child wasn't cared for. The story here is this guy was telling a story in the spirit of God that when he passed by, he looked over and there was a a little infant, a helpless infant, laying there by itself. Nobody cut cut the umbilical cord. Nobody washed the baby. Uh, Nobody swaddled the baby. Nobody was taking care of this baby. He said in verse 5, No I pitied you to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon you, but you were cast out in the open field. I don't know what the Hebrew word is right there, but somehow I think I understand that. In other words, you're you're just you're you're on your own, you're lost. You're, You're not gonna make it unless somebody helps you. Huh? You were cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day you were born. And when I passed by thee, I saw you polluted in your own blood. I said to thee, when you were in your blood, live. Yes, I said to thee, when you were in your blood, live. I'm so glad that the gospel always preaches life. The gospel tells you that when you're you know what was happening was that little baby was dying. That little baby was was almost gone. But thank God his arm wasn't short, that he couldn't reach him. And that that this guy, this guy passed by and it's God, and he spoke. And he said, I saw you laying in your own blood. You were bleeding to death as a little infant newborn. No, no. You know, a little infant needs, totally needs care. Isn't that right? Huh? He said, I saw you in your own blood and I said, live. That's what God's telling us today. No matter what our problem is, live. You're not going to die. You're going to live. You're going to make it through this thing. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care. I I hope fewer and fewer people die of anything. But I'm telling you, no matter how many do, I'm telling you, God has come to our life and he has spoken his word to us and told us to live. Shout out loud, I'm going to live. I'm going to live. Say it again. Amen. Watch, real quick. Verse 7. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and you have increased in wax and waxen great. You are come to excellent ornaments. Your breasts are fashioned. Your hair is grown, wherein, whereas you were naked and bare. So he's, he's prophesying, I saw you, I looked at you, and I know what condition you were in when I got there but I'm going to speak a good word to you and tell you what you're going to become. Look at verse 8. When I passed by thee, I looked on you. Behold, thy time was the time of love. I love this. And I spread my skirt over you, and I covered your nakedness. That's the gospel, isn't it? The blood of Jesus covers up our sin and takes it away, covers our nakedness. Yes, I swear unto you. And I entered into a covenant with you, saith the Lord God, and you, you who were dying, you who were hopeless, you who were like that girl that was inside that flaming building, you who were in there, I spoke to you, and you became mine. That's part of the gospel. We just didn't get help. Man, we became His. Watch now. He said in verse 9, Then I washed you with water. Thank God for the washing of the water of the word. I washed you with water. I, you know, when you, when you feel, you just don't feel right. Man, you, I'm, a, I'm a real shower guy, man. I love, I t- they, my family laughs at me how many showers I take. I take a shower as soon as I get up in the morning. No matter what I'm going to do, as soon as I get up, I take a shower. Then I go do some things, like work, I'll work out or do something. Then I'll come home, i take another shower. Then I go to the office and do some work, and then I come home. As soon as I get home, I might take another shower. Amen? And then I'll take one before I go to bed. I, I got, I, there's a lot of things to criticize me about, but, but, but being dirty and smelling bad is not one of them, praise God. I'm looking for all the positive things about my life I can find. <laughs> so he, he said, I washed you with water. Aren't you glad you got washed? Amen. Watch it now. I thoroughly, that's the gospel. I thoroughly washed away your blood from you. In other words, I didn't just wash you. Brother, I... I put put that water on you and I cleansed you where I thoroughly cleansed you. If that was a New Testament scripture, Paul would say it like this. He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and took them completely out of the way. Our sins are not just covered over in the New Testament. Our sins are blotted out and remitted. They are thoroughly. Thoroughly gone. Glory. Amen. You are not guilty. That's the point. He said, I love the last part of verse 9. And then I anointed you with oil. Woo! So he found him, cut the umbilical cord, washed him with water, anointed him with oil. Look at, then verse 10. I clothed thee also with broidered work and shod you with badger skin and girded you about with fine linen and i covered you with silk that's per- this this little baby's doing pretty good now cause the right guy came by god apparently found the man that could do it it's jesus i decked you with uh, the also with ornaments and I put bracelets on your hand and a chain on your neck. In other words, I'm going to do some stuff for you that may be unnecessary to save you, but I'm going to put some jewels on you. I'm going to put some broidered work upon you. I'm going to deck you out. Praise God. Shout out loud, Jesus has decked me out. He he decked me out, man. He clothed me. He he clothed me with silk. He's put these things upon me. Verse 12, I put a jewel in your forehead, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown upon your head. You were decked with gold and silver. Your raiment was of fine linen and silk, broidered work. You did eat fine flour and honey and oil. That's what happened to us once the gospel reached us. And you were exceeding beautiful, and you did prosper into a kingdom. I'm telling you that every believer under the sound of my voice today, those of you that are watching online, I'm telling you, praise God, that God's going to prosper you into a a kingdom that, that will be of His making in your own calling and in your own life. And thy renown, verse 14, your renown, your fame, went forth among the heathen for your beauty. For it was perfect through my comeliness, which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord thy God. I am grateful today that God has found me dying, hopeless, in need of someone to help me. But when nobody else could come, when there was no, you know, no man could fix me. I could have gone to all the programs of drug rehab in all the world. They didn't have the power to fix my heart. But I'll tell you, God sent the right man into my life, Jesus and it was preached to me, and the gospel became the power of God unto my salvation. Good. Good. And today, I thank God that the gospel is still at work here in Wheeler, Michigan, Amen. in Cincinnati, Ohio, at Amazing Grace Church, at Imago Day. Our anthem is going to always be Praise God that the gospel will be preached here. Forever and forever and forever. Shout out loud! Say out loud! I love, the gospel. I, love the gospel. I love the gospel. I love the gospel. Say it again! I love the gospel. I love the gospel, love the gospel. Love the gospel of the kingdom, man. I, I really do. You found me. Come on. You. Is the music come, Pastor? Or? Yes. Okay. Sorry. The, I I love the gospel. Can't you relate to that story? He found us in our own blood. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, maybe you, somebody didn't come help me. I was dying, man. I wasn't going to make it. I was, you know, I was 20 years old, man. I was lost. I was out in the field by myself. I was bleeding. No one had washed me. No one had cleansed me. No one had put salt upon me. No one had swaddled me. No one had cared for me. And surely no one had decked me out in fine clothing. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's put our hands toward heaven as the praise team comes. And thank God today for the gospel. Lord, I praise you with this church, Lord, for the gospel. And for the gospel that's been preached in this house through the years. I ask your blessing. Let the gospel forever and always be preached in this house. Not just from this pulpit, but from every seat. Help us to look, Lord, and help us to know all the time, under every circumstance, that there is no one that's gone too far that the gospel can't reach. There is no one that's too mean, too bad, too sinful, that the gospel can't change their heart. We love the gospel today. And I want to thank you that though I was dying, that God had a man to save me from my sin, whose arm was not too short to reach into my heart and to rescue my soul for the glory of Almighty God. Somebody say amen. If you're here today and you're not right with God, you've come to the right place. Because the gospel is a gospel of love and compassion and hope. And if you're here today and you're lost in your sin, maybe you're away from God. Maybe you've fallen away for whatever reason. You got discouraged. You got hurt. You got bummed out. But you got discouraged. Today, Jesus can take you back and help you. And uh, as I close in prayer here, I I want you, if if you prayed that prayer and you want to either come to Christ or repent of your sins, come back to Christ because you've known Him and gotten away, then just right where you are, God will see your hand, raise your hand, and say, Pastor, pray for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the gospel. There was nobody there to care for me you passed by my life you passed me by in my own blood and you saw me you called me out of it and you had already prepared the water to wash me the salt to salt my heart to take care of disease spiritually you had all you had the garment to swaddle me and make me feel secure You cut that umbilical cord that I had maybe still was connected to the world and we connected it to you. And I thank you for it in the name of Jesus today. Praise his holy name. Come on, pastor. Mm. That's team
1: B. If team B would come up, the prayer. You guys make your way up here. Let's all stand up. If you would like prayer this morning, we want you to know there's a prayer team here ready to pray for you. And I was thinking while Pastor Jim uh, was sharing about that if you didn't have Christ in your life, that you could make that decision today. If you want to come up for prayer this morning for that, get somebody to pray with you and talk with you, uh, these guys would be willing to do that. But what I was thinking about too was this, that you know, it was uh, many, many years ago, but my uncle and aunt in a church service, just like this, came to the altar and they prayed that God would save their family.
0: My, my, my.
1: And uh, prayed for me. My God! And uh, you know, we're all the product of somebody else's prayers. No, we are. And somebody else's work. We all are. So I just want to encourage you. Look, if you're someone's heavy in your family, I mean you're really feeling the burden for someone in your family today I want to just encourage you to come up and let one of these folks pray with you for them if you would do that Um, you know I believe God gives us burdens at times for family members and we just serve or maybe a friend that we know that doesn't have Christ in their life and uh, just to pray for them as well but these guys can pray for all kinds of things if you need healing of deliverance, freedom, whatever you need, they're here to do that. Amen? Let's pray and we'll dismiss. I ask that you, if you're going to visit, if you do it out in the lobby, that'd be great, uh, or out in the parking lot. Don't forget your kids um, so we can honor what's happening here at the altar. Father, I thank you for this word. Bless Pastor Jim today, Lord God, as he travels home. Uh, Father God, as he goes back to lead the church that you've called him to. Father, I thank you that he's endowed with supernatural wisdom, Lord God, uh, from your spirit to lead and guide your people. Father, I thank you today, Lord God, that as we have heard this word, that, Lord, that we have been given hope in the gospel and that we are not ashamed of that gospel. Wherever we go and whoever we run into today, this week, Lord, we will not be ashamed, but we will gladly share that gospel the good news. As Brother Osteen used to say, to preach the good news glad. And I thank you, Father God, that people will see that light and be drawn to that light in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen. If you're here and you are dealing with an ulcer, there's an anointing for that. You've been dealing with discomfort in your belly. And you've even said, I wonder if this is